Would you remain standing, please, for our scripture reading, which comes from the Gospel of Luke this morning? Luke chapter 2, verses 22 through 28. When the time came for their ritual cleansing in accordance with the law of Moses, they brought Jesus up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. It's written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male will be dedicated to the Lord. They offered a sacrifice in keeping with what's stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. A man named Simeon was in Jerusalem. He was righteous and devout. He eagerly anticipated the restoration of Israel and the Holy Spirit rested on him. The Holy Spirit revealed to him that he wouldn't die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Led by the Spirit, he went into the temple area. Meanwhile, Jesus' parents brought the child to the temple so that they could do what was customary under the law. Simeon took Jesus in his arms and praised God. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. If I can invite you to be seated, please. So this morning we're going to be uh, starting our Advent Sermon Series where we are rediscovering uh, Christmas by looking at some of the Christmas characters. We're going to be looking at some of uh, the themes of Advent as we look at them and as tradition dictates in terms of, of hope, peace, joy, and love. And then also talking about what it means for us to observe the season and Sundays of Advent. And so, for those of you who would like a devotional to accompany the Advent themes, uh, you should have gotten an email yesterday afternoon where uh, a link was provided that has the devotional for the entire season of Advent. I know some of you want a paper copy, uh, so you can print it if you would like. Or if you don't have a printer and you need a copy, we can print it at the church office. We're just not going to print a ton. And so if you'll call Denise or let me know, we can get those for you and you can come by and pick them up. Um, also, if it's easier for you to, um, to not check your email, you can go to the church website. Mindy's put a link that says uh, Advent on the church website under Worship. And so the devotional is there, but there's a short devotional for each day to invite us to, to journey through the season of Advent together and to think about larger themes and about God's work in our lives and about what it means for us to prepare and get ready during this time and season. And so if I'd encourage you to be a part of that and to read it and to take some time um, reading each day's short devotional where we look at Scripture and then uh, think about what it means for us today. So this morning I want to begin by inviting us all to, to think of the question, where were you when? Now for each of us, the definition of when might be different. And I think the where are you when, the answer might be a little different, because that also depends on what generation we are, or how old we are. And so for us, some of us, there obviously are different in things that happened that either changed our life's trajectory or changed things in such a way that, that things were a little different. Or perhaps our when, when we answer that question, it could be even larger. It could be a large-scale event, a major event that, that happened in our lives when we ask the question, where were you when? So I was trying to think of, of a few of these. And so for some, I think, 
of our, our older generation here in the church, December 7th, 1941, might be a where you win moment when you're thinking, I was here when the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor or when I heard of this happening. For many, that day changed your life. I know as our military mobilized, our nation mobilized, and men and women went to the Pacific and European theaters. For others, maybe the where are you win might be when Neil Armstrong set foot on the moon and said uh, his, his famous iconic words, one small step for man, or one small step for, I don't even know what it was. Okay, um, <clears throat> one small step for man, one giant step for mankind, right, basically? Okay, maybe it's something that, that isn't necessarily as positive. Maybe for you it's, it's thinking about when uh, you heard the news that John F. Kennedy was uh, shot in Dallas or Martin Luther King Jr. Um, thinking about my own generation, um, I remember as a child uh, sitting in the, the elementary school cafeteria at University Hills in Las Cruces and we were going to watch the Challenger lift off. And so we were all in the cafeteria on, you know, the TVs on the carts that really, if you think about how TVs, how big they used to be then, those carts were like miniature tanks rolling around the school. But we gathered for that. I think all of us in here can, can remember September 11th, 2001. Now, Mindy and I lived in Baltimore. I know I share that with you often, but uh, when I was at, at seminary at Wesley, um, Wesley Theological Seminary is, is right in the heart of downtown D.C. It's, it's near where everything happens. And so one unique memory, memory as I was thinking of these where were you wins is I remember sitting in the student lounge. I had a, an AM-FM Walkman that I would listen to the radio and stuff. And we were waiting for our evening class to begin. And, and I remember when George, uh, George W. Bush, who was president, delivered the speech to the joint session of Congress saying, the weapons of mass destruction, we're going to go into Iraq. And I just remember sitting there and thinking, man, within a mile or two miles or whatever the distance was, the history of the world is being changed and being um, basically uh, directed in this one speech. And just thinking how significant that was. So you all can probably think of those own, your own instances that you think of where were you in. Of course, those are all huge ones. But I think there are also small ones like where were you when when you met your spouse? Campus ministry. It was Super Bowl Sunday. Um, or children. Or when a parent died. Or when other significant things in your life happened. I think all of us have those where are you when moments. Some of them are really big. Well, they're all really big. Now, some of them maybe change the trajectory or the history of the world. Some of them just change our own lives. None of us could have imagined that the spring of 2020 would uh, turn from three weeks to 500 and whatever million days that it feels like now that we've dealt with COVID-19. You add that to economic news, to the price of gas, to the shipping stuff that's going on as we see ships sitting you know, off the coats. Uh, there are just so many things that can make us to look at things and think, you know, things really aren't very hopeful. But friends, what a perfect time for us to enter the season of Advent. Because if Advent is nothing else, Advent is a season of hope. As you and I worship together, as the church around the world comes together on this day and says, we look ahead, we prepare, we are ready, we are, are waiting for the coming or arrival of Jesus and of God. 
Because if there's nothing else that we enter into today, it's a season of expectation. It's a season of waiting. It's a season of anticipating. It's a season of longing. And so it's not just the weeks that, that we spend before Christmas where, where we are, are packing and wrapping and mailing and, and doing everything to get done as quick as possible. I know those things have to happen. But instead, Advent can also be an opportunity for us. As a time for us to focus and as a time for us to prepare and, and get um, ready and, and to realize that we're a part of a story that's greater than each of our own. And that's the story of God's redeeming love to this world. The story of Jesus Christ. And so the next four weeks of Advent and today, we're going to be exploring some of the scriptures around the, the themes in the church that has, have associated with Advent and also just looking at the scriptures and thinking about what it means for us. All right, so to set the stage for this morning's scripture reading, we're, we're reading from the Gospel of Luke chapter 2. I think if we look at the history of Israel, this is one of the lowest points in the time of Israel's history. The Romans are in rule. Israel is a defeated nation ruled by King Herod. But we know that, that everything that Herod did was dependent on what uh, Rome allowed him to do. So basically, Herod had to function and to rule his country and kingdom, knowing that any decision that he made could get appealed to Rome, appealed to Caesar. Herod could get removed from his place, and someone else could be put in king. It's also a time that, that Israel just, just doesn't have a lot going on. Because they're not able to worship in the way that they wanted. Herod had rebuilt the temple, but you know, there was still just this, this pressure from Rome, and this conflict, and everything else that's happening. And so it wasn't a great time. And so during this time, if we read in the scriptures, Israel spent all of this time looking back. They were also looking forward. They were remembering God's covenant and they were uh, remembering the, the things that God had done between Abraham and Isaac and Moses. And then they also looked ahead and said, when is the new covenant going to be enacted? When are the promises going to be fulfilled? A covenant that, that we see and we know as Christians today was fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. And so this morning we lit the, the Advent candle that mentioned the prophets. What a perfect time for us to talk about the prophets and for us to think about them and their ministry on this Sunday in Advent in which we declare that Advent is a season of hope. Because if there was nothing else that the prophets were, were they not people of hope? People that pointed the eyes of Israel to something that was greater than them. People that, that were called by God to take the message of hope to, to a people that had every good reason not to be hopeful. How long were they to be hopeful? How long were they to have been waiting? For the words that God had given to, to Father Abraham in the Genesis 12 where, where God said, all people on earth will be blessed through you. And so Israel is saying, where are we to find our hope? We're ruled by the Romans. We don't have hope. We don't know what's happening next. Where are we to go? And so the prophet said, your hope is coming in the shoot that will rise up out of the stump of Jesse's tree. Your hope is coming in the one who will be a refiner's fire, a purifier of silver, a fuller's soap, who will come and, and will make you white as snow. Friends, you can think of the words of the prophets that I know you know. And all of us can see and all of us can remember that each of them were really saying that their hope 
that our hope is coming in the person of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so our scripture this morning answers that question, where do we receive our hope? Even as we read it, knowing that it comes from the tail end of the nativity story, even as we read it, knowing that Jesus has already been born, the shepherds have already come, the angels have already sang, Mary and Joseph have now entered the temple and the city of David to present their newborn son It was as was commanded, as was ordered, to offer a sacrifice to God. And so Mary and Joseph come in, and before they can even offer their sacrifice, the Holy Spirit has brought a man named Simeon who has been waiting for the deliverance of Israel to come uh, for all of his life, who's been promised that, that he is going to see the, the baby Jesus, the Messiah, the one that had been promised by God before his life ended. And so the Holy Spirit takes Simeon to Mary and Joseph and he knows. He knows that the child that they carry is the long-awaited and promised Messiah. And so he took Jesus in his arms, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and glory for your people Israel. So what is Simeon saying? That what he has been promised has come, hasn't he? That the thing that he has placed his hope in waiting for and anticipating has arrived. And then Luke tells us about another person of Anna who, who was also a prophet. And, and Luke writes that she is a widow. She spent all her time in the temple worshiping and fasting. And she came to Mary and Joseph. Now she didn't take Jesus into her arms. But the scripture tells us that she gave thanks to God. And then she went and started speaking to everyone else in the temple about what she had just seen and what that meant that Jerusalem was going to experience redemption. So here's what I'm struck when I read Simeon and Anna's story. Do either of them seem surprised that they've encountered Jesus? Go read Luke chapter 2. Read it. And, and in neither instance, it seems that, that Simeon or Anna were, were like, oh my gosh, it's, it's, it's the baby. Because they've been waiting for this day. They've been preparing, haven't they? They've been looking for it. They've been anticipating it. And if you think about it, I love this artist's depiction of Simeon and Anna because the joy, right? But if you think about it, in the story of Jesus' birth, those are the only two people who are not surprised. Are they? Are the shepherds surprised? They're surprised and they're fearful, right? When Gabriel appears to Mary, she's surprised. Joseph, in the dream, he's surprised. Not Simeon and Anna. Because they were ready, they were waiting, they were expecting to see what God had promised them. They were filled with hope and, and their hope made them ready. They were ready because day after day they didn't get discouraged, they didn't give up. They kept their eyes focused on God and the hope that they had in Him. And so they believed in the promise and they served God faithfully. And they believed in the hope that God was at work. Friends, Simeon and Anna had hope. As the days passed into weeks, as the weeks passed into months, as the months passed into years, Anna had said, you know, there are some biblical scholars that say that Anna was, was 80 and that she had been in the temple since she was at a very young age because her husband died after they'd only been married for just a few short years. But in all this time, 
They waited and they worshiped and they served and they took each day faithfully as they placed their hope in God. And so what can we learn from them this morning? See, I think the first thing and the most important thing that we can learn from them is that hope is the fuel of faith. Because if you think about everything that we have, hope fuels our dreams, hope fuels our possibilities, hope fuels fuels the, the things where we say, what might be? And hope is where we can place ourselves. Even as everything else seems to be going in the wrong direction. Because we know Because the scriptures tell us, because we've seen uh, this lived out in other people's lives, that that hope is alive when everything else seems dead. Hope is what chases away the darkness. Hope is what ends the uncertainties. And see, hope is alive because of Jesus, who is God with us. In Romans chapter 8, Paul writes a little bit about hope in verses 24 through 26. He says, for this, in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. So Paul writes these verses in, in, a, in a chapter of verse 8 in Romans where he's talking about the relationship that we have in Christ. That we're free from condemnation in our sins. We're free because of the price that Jesus has already paid. And it's in this hope that we are able to look ahead. We are able to look past where we are. We are able to look uh, past what is happening. To believe and to know that God is at work. Because hope reminds us that God is with us. And so with the promise of Jesus being with us. We're reminded that there's nothing that happens that God is not already at work. There is nothing that can happen that God cannot already use or God cannot use to accomplish His plan and His purpose for our lives. This doesn't mean that God takes all the pain away. It doesn't mean that God just just fixes everything. But it means is that God can and does offer us hope in Him even when everything else seems hopeless. And that's because every one of us can call on the name of Jesus who is Emmanuel or God with us. This means in our weakest times and in our strongest times, we can have hope in God. It means that that we can have hope even when we feel like hope is so far away. It means that the Spirit is with us, helping us to restore hope by remembering the faithfulness of God and the promise that He has for us. Because if there's anything that we can say about God or one of many things, but we can say that God is a God of hope. Whether you're reading Jeremiah 29, 11, where it says, For I know what the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future, or any of the other verses that you may think of when you think of hope and what speaks to you. Because it's part of God's plan and purpose for us to have hope in Him. It isn't showing weakness in our faith. It it is what God is, and it is who God wants us to be so that we might have hope. So friends, as we enter this season of Advent together, I invite you to keep your eyes focused on our hope in God. The Apostle Paul describes the hope he had as a cycle. 
In Romans 5, he writes that because of Jesus, we can boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. So what is Paul saying? He's saying that even as he experienced all trials, even as he experienced suffering and persecution and challenge, even as he faced all of that, he was able to have hope in God. Because the hope in God is what gives us the strength to see beyond whatever is right before us into something bigger and better than we could ever imagine. Hope is what inspires us. Hope is what emboldens us. Hope is what builds and keeps us going no matter what. In Christ we have hope because we know the ending. Even as we revisit during this season the birth of Jesus Christ. So this Advent we can find hope. In the arrival and in the life of Jesus We can find hope in God's faithfulness as He fulfilled the promises of sending His Messiah and as He fulfilled the promise that we read about this morning in the story of Simeon and Anna. And as we go, we can focus on hope and the work that God is doing to restore each of us, to rebuild us, to refresh us, to renew us. Because no matter what storm in life we are in, we can be assured that the hope of God's Spirit is with us, carrying us, strengthening us, emboldening us, and giving us the ability to make the next step, to make the next step in hope. Hope is here. Christ is here. And Christ will return again. Amen.